Caution. Learning in progress. All right, welcome back to Smarter Every Season. This is Paul Harms with uh, Precision Planning's product support team. I've got Hans, Nolan, and Tyler in the studio with me this morning. Thank you for joining us, and we're excited to have you guys join us for another fun episode. For this episode, we have uh, Jason Webster, who is our uh, commercial agronomist up at our Precision Technology Institute, and he's going to go through a pretty nice little conversation. We're going to hopefully touch on a little bit of a recap on how... PTI went this summer, harvest, how his harvest is looking both at the PTI as well as at his home farm, and then really try and pick his brain and, and steal some teasers pre-winter conference and pre the results that we that we look forward to every year coming out of the PTI. So, Jason, how are you doing? How's things going up there for your harvest? Well, it's been a great harvest so far. This has been one of the, the better harvests I can remember for a long time. We, we had a Nice little little string of dry weather, and we were able to to get in and keep going and let all the plot babies just keep pouring in. So we were thankful. We've kind of run into a little wet stretch here, but boy, the weather was great while while we were running hard. It was it was fantastic. Nice. And if, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with Jason Webster, can and or what you do up at the Precision Technology Institute, uh, PTI Farm, can you give a a short introduction and uh, what you accomplish up in Pontiac with us. Yeah, so this is our third crop year at the PTI farm, the Precision Technology Institute, and we've grown into a 400-acre research farm. We're right there in Pontiac, right along Interstate 55, and basically on this 400-acre research farm, we do nothing but on-farm research, so I call it Agronomy 101, and and our, our goal with this farm is one of a couple different things. One, primarily, is to test precision planning products and technology and and see if it can fix some problems we have in the field. I mean, all farmers are facing problems every year. And so one, we want to address what those problems are. And then we want to show folks some of the technology and products we have to fix those problems. But, you know, really, that's just a portion of the farm. Really, a lot of it is just we're testing. I mean, I, I've been farming for over 30 years. So we're battling just like you know, the farmers that we work with at Precision Planning, we're battling through the same problems on the farm, and we just share our experiences, everything we're, we're, we're going through, everything that's causing us issues, what are we battling through, what's causing us, you know, our biggest challenges each and every year, you know, you know, how are we addressing it, what's it costing us yield-wise, what is it costing us dollars per acre-wise, and can we challenge the status quo? You'll hear me say that the PTI farm is all about challenging the status quo. We take everything that guys are used to doing right now, today, versus a new way of doing it. And some things that we do are going to fail because some of the things we are doing on the farm as, as a whole are, are exceptional. They're very good. But, you know, there may be um, a portion of the things that we do that really makes us take a look at, wow. Look at the way we're able to increase yield. Look at the way maybe it's, maybe it's not increasing yield in some cases. Maybe it's just tweaking some systems and actually being more profitable. So in today's economy, farming economy, we've got to make more dollars on a per acre basis. And that's what we're looking at. Every study that we do, we've got, you know, really there's over 100 research trials on our farm. Every single trial we look at is going to have a dollar value associated with it. Did it make us more money on a per acre basis or did it cost us? 
That's and great. that's what we share with growers. We just talk to them and have a conversation. Nothing's, nothing's really scripted when guys come out to our farm. We invite guys from, you know, this year it was all over the country because of the COVID situation. But on a normal year, this is, a, you know, domestic and international traffic. We've got growers from all over the world that come out. And we show them what we're doing. And then we just have a conversation and say, what do you think, guys? And we learn a lot from that, too. So I always feel like we pick up a lot because I got to participate in the PTI event this summer. The summer activities up there are awesome, and I really enjoy getting to, to take part in those every year. One of the things that I've always enjoyed is is how much I can take away from those conversations with our guests. Did you have any one current constant theme or just outlier that was unique and amazing? Well, I mean, probably day after day. I mean, I mean, I guess, you know, at PTI, we're running – for the most part, five days a week. We, we're not just one field day and that's it during the summertime. We're running every single day because we're small groups and, you know, we can spend time, get, get, get you know, kind of the hand-holding experience out in the field, really dive into what we're trying to show folks and, and listen to them. And we can't do that with a large group, so we do it with small groups. But to get the amount of people in that we want, we've got to do this thing all summer long. And overwhelmingly, every day, we talked about struggles with nutrient management on the planter, and we talked about closing issues. Those were the two things every single day that I would just laugh. I'd chuckle a little bit every time it came up, uh, every day, because those are huge concerns that farmers have, and they've had failures with it. Um, problems each and every year, different conditions that they're, that they're planting into. And they want a solution for it. And so we've had great conversations. And, and not only was it this year, it was last year too. Some of those same conversations and, and some of the same guys who asked the questions a year ago came back again this year and said, hey, you know, I tried some of the things that you're talking about. I, I can't tell you the number of people that, that came back to me and said, you know what, all this nitrogen that you're talking about putting on the planter, I tried it this year. I did it. And they share their results with us and say it's some of the best looking corn we've ever seen. And and I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm glad the guys are coming out and, and challenging their operations. I guess that's the thing that I'm really surprised with because I know as a farmer, again, farming over 30 years, and <laughs> some of the guys will laugh at me sometimes how I feel like I'm just stuck in a rut sometimes and I've got blinders on. I know how to do it this way, and, and by golly, I'm going to continue to do it this way because that's what I know. But I'm just surprised that farmers come out and they say, you know what? Yeah, I know we've been doing this thing wrong, but we've never found a good fix to replace it. And now we see some options to go do it. And that is the satisfying thing about the PTI farm. So let me shift a little bit and uh, dive more into something you you touched on a little bit in our pre-conversation on the harvest summary. Just what I know you said it's been a great harvest season as far as weather. We've been able to chunk through acres quickly, but... What did you What did you feel like? Did the crop dry down too fast? Not fast enough comparatively. Give me Give me the the gut check from from Jason's point of view. Yeah, really variable. I guess is the best way to describe it. You know, we got in and we made some early plantings much earlier than we had a year ago. You know, a year ago was the whole prevent plant situation with corn and not planting a whole lot of our trials until June. This year, we weren't able to get in to April. Uh, both corn and soybean and most of our early planting was excellent uh, I mean just just incredible and we were concerned about the August weather we had I think it was the third week of August where we had just 
scorching weather and we were dry, dry as a bone at that point. And I think it took a lot of top end yield off, but still the early planted corn, uh, I mean, we were running 260, 270 on non-irrigated trials um, on the early stuff. And then as we tapered off, even on the last planting I had, I think we planted March 29th was our last planting on corn or May 29th. And uh, I think that corn, some of that was still making 240, uh, non-irrigated. But it's just to kind of show you the potential that we had this summer. So, yes, we did go through a wet stretch early. Then we ended up seeing drought. But then we caught a few rains and it cooled off a bunch. I can't tell you. this. I mean, this summer, the coolest nights I can remember. And that usually is a great thing for corn. And I think that's what helped us with test weight in kernel size. Some of the largest kernel sizes I've ever seen uh, are coming from the PTI farm this year. And I've got pictures of corn kernels sitting on a quarter, a nickel, a penny, and a dime. And you'll, you'll just be surprised how big some of these kernels are. But I think that's a result of some of the cool temperatures that we had at nighttime. But to show you the real potential that we had, we brought in irrigation. I mean, that's one of the things we've been passionate about is how do we get rid of some of the weather variables? You know, we're putting tile in the ground to get rid of, you know, saturated soils get rid of that water but when we're holding that in a reservoir to, so we can recycle it to bring back and irrigate and i will tell you for the first time in my farming career i harvested a plot with every corn hybrid going over 300 bushel to the acre wow that's yeah that's and that's some of the exciting things that we want to see from pti when we manage things correctly and we have the ability to, to look at the overall management style what can we do to increase yields, not gross profit? And so with those the are the things that get those, me excited. With the addition of those extra costs. Yeah, that's exactly right. We keep track of everything. And, and you know, if we're going to all this extra work and spending all this extra money, but we're not being profitable with it. I mean, number one, I want to share that with guys and say, hey, it's just not working for us. But some of the things that we're doing is giving us tremendous returns. It's, it's just unbelievable. So I think um, – it's just tip of the iceberg on what we're going to be able to do, but I'm just thankful that we've got a research farm where we can practice with this stuff and experiment and see what can we do to, to, to be better. So let me go back a bit. You mentioned a bit in planting dates. I've heard a lot of feedback from the field this year of early planted soybeans are doing better, later planted soybeans not doing as well, early planted corn did much better. Just that variation. Have you seen a shift or a difference in early planted versus late planted for corn and soybeans, are they the same? Is it is it always early is earlier is better, or um, is better planting corn late? Like what what's what has been your last couple of year experience there? Yeah, you know we've still got the data coming in. I got to crunch final numbers, but it looks like to me right now that we're going to have a bell curve on the soybean. So the first initial planting data I had on beans was April five. And we had cool, wet weather uh, the first part of April, and most of those beans that planted on that were planted on April five were trying to come up out of the ground on Mother's Day. And I don't know what it is about Mother's Day, but there's always some kind of Mother's Day massacre going on, yes. is what I call it. And it could have been a massacre there because those beans were just popping through the ground, and I really thought they were going to get frosted off. And I know there's a lot of growers who planted a little bit before me, before the fifth of April, and those beans did get frosted, but. It does look like that that planting date, that April 5, was my second highest yield in our planting date study. We would have gone just uh, two weeks later uh, from that, that April 5th planting, and those, I think, were the highest yields. But then after that, yields just 
kind of fell off, and we've seen that year in, year out. That's why we've been telling guys, if we're going to plant early in cool conditions, we just suited be soybeans because, you know, some of these corn hybrids don't like those cold, wet um, conditions, and we've shown that at PTI. Did you we're better see, off parking the corn planter and, and planting beans. Did you see a signif- as significant a drop-off in yield for later planted corn as you saw it with the later planted beans? Still, we have to harvest some of the latest planting date entries yet. Those are in 20-inch rows, and we don't have all of those harvested yet. But it would appear that we are, um, you know, we, we kind of came in April 5 on corn. Those were some of our lower lowest yields because of the cold, wet weather. Yields spike up as we get towards the end of April, 1st of May, and then they're starting to come down. And probably the one thing that we've seen again this year is some of the corn hybrids. You know, we test all of our corn hybrids for saturated cold germ. And those hybrids, that, you know, they show us based on saturated cold germ results, but if, if they can handle cold, wet conditions. And I take some of the hybrids that, that test poorly, and I put, you know, I put them in the ground early in case we have the cold, wet weather to prove to guys to say this is what happens when we plant the wrong hybrid, when we have the wrong weather, and it showed up again this year. And I wouldn't be surprised. Um, 100 bushel differences in yield based on those scenarios so yeah corn it's 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 you're talking a lot of bushels on a per acre basis when we put that crop in and less than ideal conditions but soybeans i think we can do it i'm not worried about cold temps on beans at least not when i put them in the ground i'm, I'm more worried about cold temps when they're trying to come up out of the ground but i'll put beans in the, in the ground cold and generally we've had really good success this year i believe our earliest this would be non-irrigated but our earliest planting dates are averaging in the 80 bushel range Okay, so recapping because that was a huge long answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack that down to the, the smallest bit. Um, beans are more forgiving if you plant them early. You're getting a higher advantage on yield as long as you don't frost them off. Corn, you're better off targeting ideal planting conditions. Don't wait too long, but you're better off targeting those ideal planting conditions versus pushing them forward. Yeah, when I was a kid, everybody used to say, you know, you got to have soil temperatures of 50 degrees for corn, but 60 degrees for soybeans, and I think it's totally wrong. I think we can we can plant in the coldest conditions uh, possible in beans, and, and they'll probably come back with a vengeance and do well. But corn, we just we need it over 50 degrees for for it to be successful in getting high yields in the stands we want. However, I'll say this for both crops, corn and soybeans, and probably any other crop for that matter. It can, it can be cold in some instances, but it just can't be planted in the mud. And we've had a couple of years here where guys have, have done that. And it just, you can put all the technology on a planter you want or on a tractor, whatever. It's just, if you plant it in the mud, what, 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 what did my grandpa used to say? If you plant, it, plant the crop in the mud, the crop will be a dud. And yeah. I think he was right. <laughs> and, that, and that dovetails to a lot of the questions that you said were coming out of PTI. One of the biggest problems with planting in the mud isn't the root restriction from slicking the sidewalls. It's not getting it closed or not resetting that density above the seed so it cracks back open at the first dry, hot day. Absolutely, and that's why we've struggled so much with no-till. Um, you know, I, I laugh at myself all the time, and I tell growers this. We've been terrible, um, been a terrible farmer in reduced tillage conditions because we've never been able to close. And most of that is a result of what you said and planting in wet conditions. And, that is, and, and most farmers are probably smiling as they listen to this. And, yeah, I've, I've done that before. I've lived it. 
but the you know, some of the closing. Yeah, 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 really. And it, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm thankful on what the trials that we've got and about closing. I don't have all the data done yet, but I, I told people all summer, I told farmers as they visit us at, at the PTI farm, I said, as a result of some of our closing techniques and technology on the planter now, I'm becoming a rock star no-tilling. It's not just because I, I, I've been really good at it in the past. I, it's not that. I've been bad at it. But having the right closing now on the planter, boy, makes this thing to- a totally different animal, and it just flat out works. So that's like I'd like to do a little mountain biking, and I learned how to mountain bike on a hardtail or a stiff bike, so no suspension on it at all. And starting off, I'm not a good I'm not a good mountain biker. Put a full suspension bike underneath me, and I can pass as a decent mountain biker. Because that suspension is doing a lot of the grace and forgiveness for me and my lack of skills. And that's what you're talking about is if I can't get the skills and, the, and nail all of the details, can I get a tool to help me overcome those faults or problems? Well, you, you, we've got to measure and sense as we go through these fields if there's vari- variability in them. And most of them are. I mean, even at PTI, guys will laugh at me. Ah, oh, you're flat, black, and beautiful over there. And I, I argue with them. No, we're not. You know, we've got differences in soil types um, and, and elevation, especially on the backside of the farm. But when we're going to, you know, try to plant these crops early, especially soybeans, we're going to run into areas of the, of the farm that are wet. And what are we going to do? In the past, we've had static settings, one setting all the way across the planter, and we just keep it there and just drive right through, plant right through it. And we know we're doing it wrong. And, you know, we, you know, I remember asking myself that was multi-hybrid planting years ago. Am I planting the right hybrid in this, this, this part of the field? Am I planting the right hybrid in this other part of the field? The answer was generally no. It's the same way with closing settings, downforce settings right now today. If we're in a static setting, we know we're getting it wrong the majority of the time. And now we don't have to do that. And that's helping us immensely. That's what's going to help get good stands. And I've always said this too. If you're going to grow yields, increase yields, we've got to do it. One of the easiest ways to do it is with with uh, uh, nice stands at harvest time. Getting those highest ear counts, those highest populations, that's going to give us the higher yields most most years. In general for harvest this year, have you seen any, any surprises that have just popped out and, and caught you unaware? Well... One of the challenges we've had at harvest is, you know, we talked about dry conditions and you know, we've talked with a lot of growers about this. They've been calling me saying, you know, these soybeans dried down to eight, nine, 10%. Should we be harvesting? And I, I suppose in certain areas every year we run into this, but um, I quit, I quit harvesting soybeans. And I, I don't know, looking back, maybe I probably shouldn't. I think I made the right call though, just because I feel like we were giving up so much yield. Because, you know, those beans were getting so dry. But I understand why guys wanted to, to get through the soybean harvest. We get into November, and it's just hard to get good good days for bean cutting. But I still do have beans left, and I guess I, I'm too stubborn. But I quit because I just, you know, with over $10 beans, I thought I was leaving too many dollars on the table. And uh, some guys questioned me for it, but I'm, I'm still glad that I did it. Now, granted, I don't have 50 to 75% of my, my soybeans left. Um, out in the field, that's not that extreme, but boy, we've got to find a way to, to, to fix the situation with dry beans. And, you know, that's one of the things we're looking at putting in a grain system at the PTI farm where, okay, maybe I can, as far as my shattering and my splits aren't, aren't that bad. You know, can I harvest dry soybeans, but then put them in our GSI grain system that that we're going to have 
starting next year. And can we bring the moisture back in and, and fix some of the problems we've had with it? So, so when you said I'm you, thankful that we've got that now going forward. So when you said you quit harvesting the beans, was that because they dried down so far and you were getting shatter and split and, and harvest process loss or just that they were below moisture and you were getting docked? Uh, we weren't getting docked, but you're just giving up. I mean, it's, 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 I mean to me with soybeans, yeah. you know, <laughs> when you grade soybeans at the grain elevator of the terminal, you know, they're using a 60-pound test weight for soybeans. And I've argued from day one that, that most most guys aren't delivering 60-pound soybeans. And to top it off, this year, we're bringing in 8 9% beans, and we're, we're having more of a loss. We're losing that additional weight because those beans are so dry. And that's what's costing us yield-wise. And I think the whole test weight situation, we're probably, most guys on average, and based on our data we've done, with beans, beans on average are 57 pounds a bushel. We're losing three pounds on every bushel just because of test weight. Corn's the opposite. Corn's 56 pounds a bushel, but this year on my irrigated stuff, I'm bringing in over 62 pound corn. We're going over. With, with beans, we are never over. But when you take the moisture part of this out of it, in addition to that test weight problem, you've got dry beans and you're not getting as many bushels out of the, the same pounds as beans with, you know, that would be 13% or 13.5% that we'd, we'd love to have. Gotcha. Shattering, you're going to see that too. You'll see them bouncing off the draper or off the platform. Uh, they're just so dry. Um, you get them rolling and boy, them things will just go wherever. And it, I just cringe at seeing these soybeans on the, on the ground, especially when we've got commodity prices in a pretty good situation right now that, you know, right now are over 1050 a bushel for us here. So, Tyler, Hans, I've kind of dominated the conversation so far. Did you guys have any questions before I dive into another subject? Uh, Jason, just as you were talking about um, what the, the moisture or dry down on beans were, have you ever seen, I've, I don't know I've ever seen a week that we had in in, in, uh, in October where we dried 10 points in corn. Um, did you experience that? On my, my brother's farm, we had almost a 10-point drop of moisture from corn from like 30% moisture down to 20. Have you ever seen that before um, in a previous year? I don't know that I've seen it that extreme, but I know why it happened this year, and that was due to low humidity. Yeah, we had so many dry days, and that's why we were seeing fire alerts coming. We we have AccuWeather and Weather Channel um, alarms coming off on our phones because it was a red flag alert for fire. Yes, it was windy, but we were so dry. The air was so dry, super low humidity, and that encouraged this corn to dry down super fast. And, you know, that's another thing that we're going to start looking into a lot more now that we're going to just up next year is what is the yield loss and quote, quote, invisible yield loss that we, we associate with, with going out and harvesting, you know, say over 25% corn versus letting it dry down and maybe quickly, like you mentioned, um, down to 19, 18, 17, 16, 15%. What are those invisible loss values? Are there any? And if there are, what is it? And what is that optimum moisture to be harvesting at based on a grain storage system or taking it to a grain elevator or terminal? Because we got to look at both scenarios. It'll be interesting to see. I'm curious to know because we actually had taking phone calls in here support. We also had guys harvesting um, the lowest I've ever heard in 11 and 12% coin moisture that this year. Oh. So I was like, yeah. those guys are getting hurt pretty bad by being that. I never heard corn drop that low. Um, yeah. So it yeah. Was just we're the moisture weight and the shell loss is just incredible. Now, 
I'll keep naming brands out of it, but there's certain cornheads that we that we use that I, I tell people, I say, when a corn gets dry, you better have a pair of goggles and a hard hat on. Otherwise, you walk <laughs> beside the cornhead, that corn will kill you coming out of it. I mean, the shell loss is just terrible. And again, we've, we've, got, we've got corn over four dollars a bushel right now. I cannot sell that corn as it's on the ground, and I just cringe at it. Yeah, we can move deck plates and things like that, put brushes on the corn head, but we're still losing it when we get it that dry. It's flying everywhere, and that's a problem. So we uh, we tend to harvest corn at some higher moistures. We will. Um, I don't want it over thirty percent by any means. In some of our high yield trials, we are we're out there uh, twenty. 8% uh, probably was our average this year. But you look at the amount of shelling loss with corn 25% or better versus what you've got at 15. It is a totally different situation. You got corn everywhere when it's dry. And I just as soon eliminate that. And some of these hybrids are just drying so fast. And I, I think we are losing some of the weight. Now, there's some plant health differences on what we're trying to do. That's one of the things we're studying. You know, even if we, you know, let that corn stand till November. You know, can we keep that thing healthy as long as we can? So we've got a plant that's intact. It was alive, moving energy up and down that plant into the ear and, and still managing itself versus just saying, I'm done. I give up. I'm dead. And the dry the down is supposed to die down. That's exactly right. The die down usually is going to cost you. I mean, we were harvesting most. I mean, I get people coming out to PTI and say, why are you harvesting that corn? It's still green. And I said, well, it's 24% corn. And so I, most of that corn that looked that way was high management, and we kept that thing alive. We kept feeding it. Some of it was irrigated, of course, but uh, but that's some of the things that we're learning on the farm showing guys, and uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing it. So I'm going to shift focus just a little bit to not harvest in general, including both your your personal farm, but also the PTI. And I want to for this next mm-hmm. portion, I want to focus just into your gut feels. We know. You're still mid-harvest process. You're not done, which means you haven't got all the data in. You haven't crunched the numbers. You haven't got all the analysis done. But I want to poke and, and without stealing any thunder from Winter Conference or any uh, learnings that are kind of come out of this, I just want to pull from Jason's brain here a bit. Um, are, w- what of the plots that you've got out in the field this year or, or that we had we had planted up there, which one has the most unexpected results coming? Which one are you looking at expecting to be the most odd or unique? Well, I don't know if they're odd or unique. I would say it's, it's, it's somewhat different in the marketplace right now. I would say some of the biologicals that we, that we started testing this year. Um, I, I think we've, with Furrowjet on the planner, we've got some unique opportunities to put some biologicals in the center uh, of the furrow. Um, and I can't tell you how tickled I am with some of the results. I was telling uh, my PTI team members yesterday morning, I said, right now, and again, again, just like you said, I don't have everything tallied up yet, everything calculated, but right now, some of my highest yield results I've seen are from some biologicals in the furrow uh, from applications with furrowed yet. And I'm excited about that because, you know, probably five, six, seven years ago, some of the manufacturers out there were saying, hey, biologicals are going to be the next big thing coming. And I said, okay, show me. We just haven't been able to see much out there with some of the biologicals. But again, just like starter fertilizer, there were some really good starter fertilizers out there in the past, but we couldn't place them properly. And now that we're starting to do that, we're seeing a nice response. So I would say that's probably my biggest surprise right now 
is some of these biologicals um, showing up really nice. And here we're in a situation where not only is the biological, you know, do, doing well on a yield basis, but we're, we're, we're being able to reduce some of our current crop inputs like nitrogen as a result of adding the biological. So now you got an agronomic win because we are getting more bushels, but now you've got an environmental win because we're putting less nitrogen out there in the field. And everybody wants to blame a farmer for putting way too much nitrogen out in the field and then us losing it due to high rains and ended up in the river system or water water system. So this was an interesting thing this year. Now you point at, at, the biological is actually allowing you to reduce your inputs. One of my, my immediate re- reactions to your your push for the biologicals was, um, is that only going to provide the response or the return on investment on our highly managed plots, or is it having, having a, a significant impact across all the runs? And if you're saying when you put those in, it's dropping your nitrogen requirements, that means the biologicals, biologicals are going to have a significant impact across all of your acres and not – just be the next limiting factor on your highly managed acres? Oh, I think it goes both ways because we've got full nitrogen rates where we add the biologicals and then we reduce our nitrogen rate by 25% in, in with adding the biological. And in both situations, I'm seeing yield increased. So it kind of tells me, well, can I, you know, can during the season not just rely on mineralization, you know, if the water shuts off on me, I'm not going to get that free nitrogen from mineralization. Can I put a biological product in there to maybe convert some atmospheric nitrogen and let the plant use that just like we've always done with soybeans in the past. Now, can we do it on corn? Maybe we have a year where a tremendous amount of rain, we have uh, denitrification, we have nitrogen loss out there. Can we recoup some of that? With some of the biologicals that's actually what happened this year we we had high amounts of nitrogen loss because of the flooding we had early but where we had some of these biologicals i'm i'm really impressed granted it's the first year i don't want to get folks too excited about it i've only got one year data we just started this and so we have to continue to evaluate it but right now i, I like what i see awesome how about on the flip side of that what trial did you have out this year that you're kicking yourself or, or it looks like it's a flop it's a fail because those are those are the two, um, two polar opposites of, of where and where I where I usually find we do the most learning is the the great wins and the great losses are where we're going to learn. So, like, which, which trial out there are you like? It has the has the flop sign on it. <laughs> well, I, I think probably the one the thing that's disappointing. To me, the most is soybeans in regard to some of our high management trials. Um, we, we just barely hit 100 this year. Um, and, you know, last year we hit 100, and I didn't, I didn't know if we'd do it or not because we were planting a lot of those beans in June. But here we had a, you know, a situation where we're planting in April, and we're planting in May, and we've got irrigation, and we've got fertigation going on. And I, I really thought we were going to grow some awesome, awesome soybeans uh, due, due to the due to the technology we had on the farm, and we just didn't do it. So yes, I do think we made over 100 bushel in some of our treatments. Now we had to do that with some of the cover crop situations that we had in the fall, uh, some strip till that we were able to get in. Uh, I think we we learned a lot from it, but I just thought our numbers on soybeans were going to be better, and really. The more farmers I talk to that call me while I'm in the combine, they're, most of them have told me their, their soybeans are average at best, and I understand why. I mean, for me, it was, 
yeah, we had the ability to finish, but we were hurt so bad early. Um, we, we just had too much rain. We had a couple of different rain events that totaled up to 10 inches early in the season. And boy, boy, I had soybeans that were just puckered up yellow and we were coming in with foliar treatments trying to get them to respond. But you just got to get rid of the wet feet. We've heard it for years. Beans don't like, like wet feet until August. And they, they had wet feet for a lot of, of, of last part of June and, and really July. And so I wasn't able to push on the soybeans like I would. And, and as I was sitting in the combine cab, I was really kind of disappointed in that. Anything you can correct or, or plan to adjust for future applications? Well, with our effort in recycling water, tile. Yeah. You know, that, that is the thing that I know a lot of guys say they want tile, but it's a cashy situation. You know, trying to cash flow a, a tiling system, but boy, I tell you, getting the tile in and getting that water away, that brings oxygen into the soil, and and that's going to eliminate those soybeans that have wet feet, and you're going to let them do their thing. But without that, we're going to continue to to struggle, and that's one of the things we've got. You know, tile systems in at um, you know 30 foot centers, 60 foot centers, 120 foot centers, and now uh, if I could ever get my tile man here, <laughs> we've got him scheduled to come in any day now. Uh, we're going to be putting in some uh, pattern tile of down to 15 foot and being able to sub irrigate with that tile versus drip tape like we've done in the past. So we'll have a couple of different ways of irrigating a couple of different ways of getting water away through tile. And so that's what we're hoping to test and see, can we fix this? We get a rain event that, that has, gives us saturated soils. Can we quickly get rid of that water, but then replace it quickly as well. If we turn off hot and dry and we need to reuse that water. And to me, that is just an unbelievable situation so we're trying to trying to get good at it again this is only at least with the tile and, and irrigation aspect it's our second year but uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun in the years to come to try to have that flexibility to say okay here's the current environment i'm in let's go fix it and a lot of guys don't have that option yeah so with that i would say for you i know you personally just going through seasons here you get really excited for planting season you get really excited for harvest season on the flip side here now once you get it all done are you going to be really excited to do this data crunching (laughs) i hate it (laughs) i know you do (laughs) (laughs) i hate it i just cringe it's it's a idea of sitting at a desk and crunching numbers and I know there's there's just certain days where we're just about cross-eyed and we're, our, our brains just hurt. And I've just I tell the my PTI teammates I just got to go outside and run the chisel plow or run the strip till bar for a little bit just so I can sit there and not really think about very much and just recoup a little bit. But the thing is, it tells the whole story. And you know we we get the yield data in and we crunch it, we graph it. That's the first thing. I'm too much of a visual person. I have to graph it and I have to see. And then we look at the numbers. Say, okay, what's the, the cost of this treatment? Um, look at the total dollars, and we just try to figure out what exactly happened because we don't know that going into harvest, and that's what tells the story. And sometimes we fail, sometimes we win, but there's a reason for it, and we got to figure that out. Sometimes we don't, but most of the time we can. It just sometimes takes a little longer than, than it should. <laughs> <laughs> and you not being a person that likes to be indoors very much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love being indoors talking with growers and sharing the story of, of, of what we learned, but boy, that's a tough process in between. Um, and it's just, you know, sometimes, you know, you've always heard that, you know, having the right tool is half the battle uh, to fix something. 
and that's what it is. I mean, we're we're sitting with with an Excel program, punching in formulas, and you know some of the the trials we do, we've already done it before, so it's really easy to plunk the the new numbers back in, and then look at the multi year data. Those are pretty easy, but you know some of the new systems we have in, we're starting from scratch and we're trying to build it. And say, okay, what really, what did we learn here? And that that's what takes a long time. And I'm just probably not patient enough to to wait through it like I should be. So we've got a neat opportunity then before you've you've crunched the numbers, before you've gone through that painful exercise, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, like Babe Ruth, call your shot here. Well, on soybeans, the first thing that, that comes to mind is some of our CONCEAL trials with our 141246. That's a Marco fertilizer product that we, we went to Marco and asked them to design us a soybean fertilizer once, once we had CONCEAL on the farm and that 141246 has been a monster for us and not, I don't know how much of going out on a limb it is but I'll just continue to I'll just say again it continues to win and some of the highest soybean yields we had on the farm this year was from 141246 so our fourth year of data on that product um, looks really good and again I think the fertilizer is a great product but I think the placement of it's even better. So that one's been a, a pleasure to work with. And again, it didn't disappoint me. And I, I think it's going to continue staying right there and in one of the top soybean products that we have. Closing, I think closing is going to be interesting. I don't have all the data put together, but I would go out on, on a limb right now and say our no-till uh, closing trials. So we do all kinds of tillage trials. We run conventional tillage, strip till, vertical till, and no-till. So most extreme to the least. And I would say our largest response to closing correctly is going to be on no-till. And maybe that's not a big surprise for some, but that's definitely where our highest numbers are going to come from in our closing trials. And they're significant. I, I think there, there's some big winners out there in that. Nitrogen management, anytime we look at a top 10, I guess, usually nitrogen comes into into play at some point. But we're doing stock nitrate tests out, out this summer, late summer, you know, once that corn black layered, and we're seeing terrible stock nitrate values out in the field, which, which you know, you guys talked about it, this corn just dying and drying, and some of it was nitrogen loss. So some of our nutrient management programs where maybe we're not so much looking at different rates, but we're just looking at the timing of and placement of how we're doing it. There's no doubt in my mind some of those are going to be the highest corn yields that we've got. The irrigation, um, will be one of the big ones for us. And someone could say, well, yeah, you got irrigation. You ought to be raising high yield corn. But again, I mean, the first time in, in my farming career, 30 plus years of farming, I've got a plot where every single corn hybrid is over 300. And I won't give away what the highest yield we had, had this year was. But those are tremendous. Those are tremendous. So those are the big ones. And I think there'll be a few surprises along the way that I really don't want to give away right now. But But those are the big ones right now. Can't can't have the magician give away all his secrets. Yeah, well, we want to we want to we want to lead him along a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> How about the bottom half? Bottom half, well, soybeans in general, I think we're disappointing. Although, you know, some of my starter fertilizer trials on beans were good. I mentioned the fourteen twelve four six and conceal, but you know, some of the furrowjet applications where we're you know reallocating dry fertilizer and putting liquid on, uh, some of those were really good. But I just didn't feel like I could push really high yields. And, and again, I think the irrigation part of it, I just, even though I had water and, and whatever fertilizer I needed to fertigate, I just had a hard time pushing. So some of those cost-wise, 
maybe it won't be the worst yield, but by the time I put my cost into it, I'm going to probably have some, some per acre losses as a result of it, but we're learning from it. And that's a, that's the whole goal of it. I mean, that's why, that's why you get the, the, the research farm up there is create those scenarios where we can take a loss on a research plot area, but gain for the listen for the, uh, from the learning. So, well, yeah. And I mean, some would say, well, let us make the mistake. So a farmer doesn't have to, and I, I'm good with that. I mean, I, I struggle with it and get frustrated by it, but I'm good with it in the, in the end. But that's what it's all about is and not only finding something that doesn't work one time, but the consistency of something and being able to say, yes, over three years time, we've shown that this just does not work. And if a farmer can use that information, that's pretty worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, uh, Hans, Tyler, Nolan, anybody have any subject areas we didn't cover in that we need to cover? No. All right. I'm good. I'd like to have a building update from PTI. Yeah, are you moved in? Uh, I haven't moved in yet, but we're getting awful close. Remember I talked about patience before? I definitely don't have <laughs> enough patience when it comes to this. <laughs> they told me that we'd have this building done. September 12th. And can you guys tell me what the date today is? We're recording on October 28th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're still not moved in. We don't, we don't have water service yet. It's one of the things we're trying to get done. And boy, I'm just, I'm just learning the whole process of permits and things like that. Trying to, to get everything done with, you know, the city and all the regulations that they have. And we're fighting through that while we're, you know, with everything else going on, a harvest and crunching numbers, we got that to deal with too. But I will say this, the building looks really nice, and I can't wait to get this thing finished up in the next, I would say, 10 days to 14 days, we ought to be really close to being able to put furniture in, and I can't wait for everybody to see it. This is going to be a great spot for us to share information and and learn about some of the technology and products we have at Precision. Our dealers, I can't wait to get dealers out there to have dealer training, and and then again, just have growers come out for post-harvest data talks. You know, can we can we bring people out? I know in COVID it's going to be a little bit frustrating, but boy, we get all this behind us, being able to bring guys out to the farm. And then even with technology, being able to zoom out, you know, from the PTI farm to whatever, you know, if a RM's having a meeting and their dealer's having a meeting and they want us to chime in and share some information, we can do it with the technology we've got. I just, I can't wait to do it. But it looks really nice. 80 by 120 shop, heated floors. We just turned the heat on last night. And boy, it feels good. I mean, it, 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 it is going to be just fabulous. So we get the water turned on, and and we are going to be super close to being done. We've ordered furniture, and we're just waiting to ship it in. So we're close, very close. It can't be too nice, nice, Jason. Or we're concerned you might just move in. Well, we'll pretty much live there. There's no doubt about that. I've, <laughs> I've been accused in the past of just living in PTI, but we'll just put a little cot in the corner, and we'll be fine. Nice, perfect. Nice. And hey, we even talked earlier. You're about getting some uh, technology set up there, so the capturing of our inside PTI that you've been pushing, you've had to do that a lot of in transition or come down here to Tremont. This may give you a couple hours of your day or week back every week that you can dive back into another project. Yeah, we want to continue. The inside PTI has been a lot of fun. We ended up doing well. We released seventy episodes. Um, Congrats. And I guess we started that back um, really during the winter months, um, started started those. So feel pretty good about where we are with them, We're releasing two videos every single week. They're going to stop 
um, here just just while we're number crunching and all that, and then we'll we'll come back in probably January or something like that. But um, we'll give it just a little bit of break for guys because I know they're busy too. But they've been really good. Yeah, we hope to have a atmosphere there at PTI where we can do a little bit of filming there and have the background and have the facility to to make those videos even better. But we've got all the plots out in the field, and if we can just continue to tell the story of what we're seeing and show some examples of it and then just show the bottom line numbers, I think we'll be fine. So we're excited about that. Awesome. Well, that should just about wrap it up for us. We really appreciate you coming on and giving us a little teaser on what we're seeing up at the Harvest Trials there in PTI. Uh, We want to thank our listeners for joining in today. Please feel free to share some feedback through either the hosting site that you listen to your podcasts on, or you can reach out to us at smartereveryseason at precisionplanning.com. That's an email. I'll put a little plug, too, for Jason. Um, He referenced the Inside PTI videos that he does. Um, Anybody who hasn't seen those yet, those are about uh, maybe five to ten minute videos where he summarizes uh, some of the different trials or learnings that he's come across out of PTI. Um, if you go to the Precision Planting website, click on the Agronomy tab, one of the drop-downs is inside PTI. And if you scroll to the bottom of that page, you can sign up to get um, to get those videos. And, and they're really useful. I, I always notice whenever we get a new one that comes out, I look around product support when everybody gets in about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And it, it never fails. There's there's um, three or four different computers that are watching the latest. We can uh, listen to it in surround sound. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> of course in surround sound, like chasing around Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you have not signed up for that, that that's how you can do so on the Precision Planning website. But uh, I just I put a little plug in for you there, Jason. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, and really, you know, you have to be a subscriber to get those. It's not like you can just go to YouTube or go to Twitter and get those. You do have to sign up for them. Exactly. And uh, we'll probably put some of our older versions on, you know, the 70 episodes we have done. We may put those on social media and put those on YouTube later for guys to see those. But, uh, but yeah, if right now you have to be a subscriber. So yeah, you'll do uh, insidepti.com and we'd love to have you. Speaking of social media, do you have a, a social presence that you'd like to note out for our listeners to follow you and interact with you individually? Well, uh, I guess we try to be on Twitter as much as we can, although I probably failed at it miserably, miserably this fall just because we've been in the combine and and concentrating on what we're doing. But um, Jay Webster Ag, Jay Webster Ag is, is the Twitter handle, and we'd love to have uh, followers on there. I usually try to, to send some pictures out of what we're, we're doing. Um, you know, I remember this summer we had some wind come through at PTI. It was a Saturday night. And Sunday afternoon, I go out and I look at all this down corn, and I took some pictures of it. And I think I think my tweet was something like, "Sometimes you got to pay for pay for rain." I only got six tenths of rain, but I got all this wind damage. I had a bunch of corn flat, and I'd say in a couple hours' time, we had like sixty five thousand people that saw that tweet, <laughs> just because they love drama and they love to see damage out in the field. But a lot of folks called me though and said, "You know, I'm glad you have wind damage." I said, "Wait a minute, wait, why are you glad I have wind damage?" They said, well, I have it too, and I want to see what happens on your farm because I know you'll tell us what the yield loss was. And I said, yes, we will. Hey, uh, sometimes you get the you, you take the test and the learning that Mother Nature gives you. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, sometimes things happen and we don't expect it, but we, uh, we learn from it. Well, thanks again, Jason, for joining us. Uh, thanks for all of our listeners for joining us here, and we look forward to having another good conversation with you as we continue getting smarter every season.